Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Welcome back. Coffee and Cream going up on a thirst trap kind of Thursday live from the H&H studio. My main man, Robbie Lula, filling in for Andrew Rogers. Eight o'clock straight up. Let's do it. It's my Paula Abdul moment because... You have such hard outs, yeah. it's easy to stay on clock or you get cut off. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Which enables us to stay on time with our peers like Mitch Sherman, who's go. covering Nebraska for the athletic. Fantastic. And apparently we're going to raise our IQ level. Mitch, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Damon, Robbie, how are you guys? We're, we're hanging in there, good. hanging in there. Uh, Mitch, let me ask you something. So... I'm watching this kind of Nebraska basketball season unfold, and I'm I'm not going to throw you such a curveball, but philosophically, I'm watching this Nebraska season unfold, and Michigan State happens, and they have a really bad 11-minute stretch, and Michigan State goes bananas, the story we know. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, how's Coach Hoiberg going to put together the roster next year? Is it plug and play, or are we just mm-hmm. filling in a couple of holes? Meanwhile, they still got to go to Iowa City. We still got a Big Ten tournament. How did it change so fast in 24 hours when on Monday it was how many do they have to win to get into serious consideration for attorney bid? <laughs> like, is that an us problem? <laughs> yeah, my read on that is that the questions were already there. We just didn't want to think about them while they were on that hot streak. We wanted to think about what would happen if Nebraska could have beaten Michigan State and for a half in that game it looked like that was going to happen or at least a real possibility and then you know you go from there and maybe you have a chance at at, at Iowa maybe you have a chance to win a few games in the Big Ten tournament and those things are, are, are still out there but ultimately those questions would have come to light about next season and okay how do you do this without Sam Greasel and Derek Walker and maybe Kase Tomanaga, um, and they would have been hard questions to answer, at least until we see the results of what Nebraska can get out of the transfer portal and the um, decision from Kase. And but while that run was going, and Nebraska was one of the hottest teams in the country, man, I saw a uh, a statistic on. I, I wish I knew the source of it, but it was about the hottest teams in the month of February, and it was like Kansas. Um, you know, a list of blue bloods and then Nebraska at the bottom. And 
that's just not a place that Nebraska's used to being in basketball or, or in football right now. And there wasn't a reason. There was, We weren't motivated to talk about the holes that Fred Hoiberg had to fill while that fun was happening. And, of course, it ended in the second half on Tuesday night. Mitch, what kind of level of confidence do you have in Nebraska's ability to build on this, whether it's in terms of rebuilding the roster with all the guys you mentioned probably gone or even just continuing the culture that finally seemed to sink in this year? Is this something like what is translatable from this year moving forward since a lot of the key pieces aren't? Well, I don't claim to, you know, know the ins and outs of the the roster with basketball like I do for football. I mean, I cover it just a little. I uh, wrote a story last week about Hoiberg and talked to Sam. And, you know, I was at the game on Tuesday night. And, you know, I'll say I, I was really impressed with Jamarcus Lawrence. Um, you know, first time I've seen him up close and mm-hmm. in person. And, and as a freshman, you know, he gives me hope that Nebraska can build around him and and some other young guys in the program and then we know how basketball works i know people don't want to hear that it's a rebuild every season and that's the way it's been for fred hoiberg and Mm. you feel like you're going back to square one it doesn't need to be square one um there are some pieces they can build around but i think you have hope because of how much you 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 do have the ability to bring people in and um you know while dylan rayola was getting all the attention at pba last weekend um, there was a basketball recruit who was, you know, nearly as as uh, heralded as Raiola in his own sport. You know, a seven foot two um, prospect, and and you know maybe Nebraska doesn't get him. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on with John Bowl and, and his recruitment because I, you know, I haven't written about that. Um, but just the fact that they're in on guys like that gives me some confidence that Fred is going to be able to restock this roster. You know, whether it's through retaining players. Um, you know, the transfer portal or, or recruiting. So I think there is hope. He does know how to build a roster. That's never really been the question with Fred Hoiberg. He can build a roster. It's putting a team together that plays like the, the, this one showed us at times this year. Mitch, let me ask you something. Uh, with, you know, volleyball, Coach Cook's seen the influx of having some transfers and have Nebraska be a, a destination spot. He's also had some players leave Nebraska because of the competitive environment and find another destination mm-hmm. spot. Real bold, not afraid to carry 40 and let the competition sort it out. Nebraska basketball kind of plugging and playing, rebuilding on the fly like college basketball does. Football, 40 new faces. That's over almost 80 in the past two off-seasons of the previous staff combined with Coach Rule. Is Nebraska become – have they gone from the model of consistency to better figure out how to play the game? It sort of looks that way right now, but, you know, I don't think that's the goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Trevor Alberts wants his programs to be a place where, you know, you're just bringing in mercenaries to to run things. You know, there, there's a balance that you have to strike there, and, and – you know, certainly John Cook, you know, like with everything else that, that he does with his volleyball program, you know, he, he's he's shown how that can work. Still the heart and soul of his program, the core of his program are the players that he's recruited out of high school. And you see that now with the team that, you know, that he had this year. And, and you know, he brings in a transfer from, what, Florida, I believe, uh, Merritt Beeson, um, this offseason to fill a hole that Nebraska had. You know, Nebraska lost a key player. Um in Whitney Launstein and and so there you go you you go you find a replacement that that's you know I think what the um 
the hope is the the vision is for for football and basketball is to use the portal in, in the way that that John Cook has done it. And he's brought in some outstanding players. Um, you know, he's embraced uh, transfer culture in in college sports. And Nebraska's lost some players. That's the way it's going to be. But um, no, you don't want it all, of course. I mean, that's I think fairly obvious. You don't want it you know all to come out of the portal. Sometimes it seems that way in basketball more than any sport. But and it's getting that way in football. But you you know you want you need to have that base of your roster, the core coming from um, your own recruiting efforts. Um, it's interesting to look at the at the combine, the NFL combine, which is just getting started now mm-hmm. um, with the player workouts in Indy. And you know, a year ago, Nebraska had four guys at the combine. They were all recruited to the school out of high school, two by Riley and two by Frost. And this year, and it's just this is just a one off. You know, I don't yeah. expect that it's going to be this way. But all three of the guys who were there came via the portal. Um, and there's nobody at the combine for Nebraska this year who was recruited to Lincoln um, by a, a Nebraska coach out, out of high school. And you can argue that maybe Garrett Nelson should be there, but you know, I, I saw a list from some NFL um, personnel people who, who had what the top 15 or 20 combine snubs and, and he wasn't on it. Um, so maybe he should have been on that list. I think, you know, I think he can be an NFL player and I'd, I'd be I'd curious what you think, Damon, but um, the fact is the three guys who were there, Travis Vokalek, O'Shawn Mathis, and Trey Palmer, uh, they all came to Nebraska via the portal. Real quick, and because I, I know you want to talk to everybody once, Mitch. <laughs> I'll just say this, Mitch. Um, I wish Garrett Nelson had the opportunity to reconsider, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and he may have some unique situations, whether it was an agent, not agent. I'm not sure how he kind of left it with Nebraska in terms of coming back. But that's just one of those things, Mitch, where – it, sometimes you, you get in that, I'm going to strike while the iron's hot. I, I kind of got a mm-hmm. high commodity versus, man, I trust you, even though I don't know you, can you help next level me? And for yeah. Garrett Nelson, you know, I, I kind of think now he feels he feels a little bit stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I see it both ways. I understand right. if he was thinking that, if he was thinking that, hey, I've been a college player for four years, you know, this COVID thing gave me an extra year. That doesn't necessarily mean I should be older when I make a shot at the at the NFL and and um, you know I don't know what a year would have done. Um, maybe in in Tony White's defense, you could have found a spot where you could really feature him and he would open eyes. And I, but it, it's it's hard for me to believe that one year w- that a year later when he was what is he now twenty three? If he's twenty four, is he then going to get an invite invite to the combine a year from now? I think he'd have probably been back in a similar situation with just more more. Um, you know, more, more miles on his body. That's why we asked the questions to get a little smarter. <laughs> Mitch, you... I don't know. You know that better than me. No, I, did, I... See, but you know what? I didn't ask it like... I didn't... I'm not asking. I didn't think of it like that. It's like, okay, let's say super myopic, best case scenario, he does come back. Okay, does 23 make a big difference from 24? Well, then some people think he's too old. Like, at no point until you just said was, that did I think like that. Mm-hmm. I think he looked at what JoJo, what happened with JoJo last year. Mm. And JoJo got an invite to the combine at, I, I believe, 24. He was 24 at the time of the draft. Mm. But then he didn't get drafted. Yeah. I mean, if you get invited to the combine and you don't get drafted, there's no, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. and, and great, you know, great for him. He got an opportunity and he made the most of it. He's, he's in the NFL, but he had to go the hard route. And I think part of that was, you know, because of the injury history and also his age. Mitch, you had a mailbag on Friday. You tackled some questions about Dylan Rayola. Yeah. One of the is a guy we don't talk about very often, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. 
There, yeah. We talk a lot. It's your fault, Mitch. You're the one that got intimate. You were with the family. I mean, they let you in. That's rare. I'm glad. I'm glad for it to be my fault. It's, it's <laughs> adding a lot of a lot of spice to the off season, right? I mean, what else would we be talking about right now? We're two weeks more than two weeks from spring practice. Well, we were talking about meatloaf earlier, so uh, okay. uh, Dylan Raiola is probably better. Um, you, you, we talk a lot about the potential positive impact of a Dylan Raiola commitment. You kind of started tackling the idea of. What does the negative impact look like if they don't re- land Rayola? Oh. What what are some of those negative impacts in your mind? Oh my gosh! Yeah, somebody asked. I, I I didn't bring that up. Somebody asked me the question of is it Dylan Rayola or bust? That's the mailbag. Um, and so I don't think it is. You know, I probably took a glass half full approach to answering that question. And that's just kind of the mood around Nebraska football right now is glass half full. Mm-hmm. So. And that's how I feel about the quarterback position in Dylan. I mean, of course, there's a lot of excitement about him, and it would be really disappointing if he chose to go somewhere else. But the nature of quarterback recruiting, you know, we just got done talking about the portal. Nebraska would be fine. I mean, maybe it's able to turn on a dime and and get one of its other prospects in this 2024 class um, to commit, you know, you see guys who were kind of waiting and wondering what Dylan Raiola is doing. And that's not just at Nebraska, you know, that's at other schools too. You know, Georgia's got an interesting quarterback situation right now. They've got a commitment in the 24 class and an offer out to an in-state player, um, who is really highly regarded. I think he's a top hundred, 100 player in, in the country. And, you know, he's probably in a situation like, like Danny Kalen from Bellevue West, um, you know, who, can't really um, commit to the in-state school um, because their top priority is not him. Yeah. yeah. So um, if it goes that direction for Nebraska and for the record, I don't think it will. I think Nebraska is, is going to land Dylan Rayola here um, in, in, in the, in the spring. I mean, this, this month probably Um, that's just, and that's just my, my gut feeling mm-hmm. on it after watching la- last weekend in particular to see them come in and, and have him sitting courtside at the basketball game. And, you know, I, maybe it's an emotional um, reaction. Maybe, maybe that, that, that uh, prediction I'm making is, is based on emotion, but I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to go that direction. And if it doesn't, they'll be fine. Um, there could be a 24 guy or, you know, there's going to be a, an influx of quarterbacks that go into the portal in May. And then another one, in December, before he's even ready to sign and show up on campus at any school, which would be next January, December sign, January enroll, um, there's going to be multiple opportunities for Nebraska to to add to its quarterback depth, to add to its quarterback future, either through recruiting or through the portal. So, um, you know, while you want to get him, of course, and it's, it would be a huge milestone for Matt Rule in this program, if you don't, you know, I think you're still going to be okay at the quarterback spot. Totally taking advantage of your personality and your temperament here. So bear with me with the question. Do you think whatever we think the relationship was between the Rayolas and the previous staff, in particular Coach Frost, and we, they, we saw this play out with the Savior, he was coined the golden boy, mm-hmm. the prodigal son returning home how that landed. Do you think there's any sort of dialogue or talk in the Rayola family about being the, the chosen one coming back to Lincoln, given the state of where the program is 
as a legacy player? So is is um, is the Scott Frost situation a um, a you, lesson? You, is there a lesson to be learned? Yes. From the way it, I I mean. I don't think that Scott failed because he was a legacy or because he, he had history with Nebraska. To me, that's not the that's not the, the reason. Certainly not the main reason that things didn't work out because he had been a quarterback at Nebraska. I, that that to me, it gave him a leg up at the start, and that was kind of the consensus in 2017 and 2018 was this was going to be an edge for Scott Frost because he had so much um, skin in the game and. Everybody was supporting him, and at the beginning, that was the case. And of course, you know, as the success didn't come, things got divisive, as they do in Nebraska, always, um, seemingly win or lose. And you know, the honeymoon ended, and you know, things organizationally just spiraled into a direction that nobody really wanted. So that those those symptoms of the um, of the, the failures that happened at Nebraska over the past five seasons to me are not directly related to the fact that Scott Frost is from Wood River and played at Nebraska and won a national championship under Tom Osborne. Um, they're separate conversations. So, and it, you know, and I don't know how Dominic sees it and, and how Dylan sees that, but I don't, I don't think they see what happened with Scott Frost as a, um, you know, a warning of what it could be, what they, what they do see, I'm sure, and maybe this is what you were getting at, Damon. I'm sure what they do see is that it's going to create a lot of pressure, not that, just because that, that that's know, that yeah, that's the essence, right? Not just because he's the number one player in the country. There's a huge amount of pressure that comes with that, mm -hmm. no matter what. And you know whether he went to USC, Oregon, Georgia, Nebraska, that pressure is going to exist. That this guy's got five stars on his back. And, you know, well, that's a great thing when you're 17, when you're 20 and you haven't won a Heisman, all of a sudden that becomes a burden. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, that, that absolutely, there's some parallels to draw with Scott Frost. And Scott Frost was once that five-star quarterback. And, you know, now you're drawing a parallel between Frost as a player and Rayola as a player. And, you know, maybe part of the reason that Scott Frost didn't come to Nebraska way back in, 1993 um, was because of some of those pressures that he thought that he was going to incur. And it was the, the time was right two or three years later, but um, there's parallels to draw there. I think that, that make more sense than he was the, um, the golden boy coming home and that Dylan would be seen the same way. Uh, I think Dylan could use that to his advantage because, you know, he'd have everyone in his corner if he's the guy whether it's going into the 24 season, who's getting ready to start, or even the, or the 25 season. You know, he's going to have more support, more people behind him, more people cheering him on, wanting him to win, feel like, feeling like um, he is one of them, um, you know, maybe that, than any quarterback who's, who's played that spot since, um, you know, I, I, I immediately think of Eric Crouch, but there, there haven't been many um, like Dylan, this, like the situation that he would be in in this program. Um, if if he if he chooses that route, yeah, it's funny you bring up EC. That's what you just described is the number one reason. And I typically don't fawn over guys that are that much younger than I am. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons that I love Crouch not only as a player but as a person, mm -hmm. he weathered the storm. Oh Be yeah, because 
Dom's, was a Dom's, Dom's not that guy. Like Dom, you saw him at PBA, right? He doesn't want the. That's not his style. That's not his wife's style. They're not mm -hmm. limelight, look at me guys. And that's what he's going to get. And to be able to tackle that and embrace the expectations and. It, I just have a special place in my heart for people that can handle the scrutiny that comes with the pressure of being the quarterback of this state. When, when Dylan stood up and threw the bones and, you know, had a big genuine smile on his face, he liked the attention that he was getting clearly. And this is new for him. You know, if that happens um, several years from now, even if he is having a lot well, of – Well, it ain't happening at SC, right? I mean, they go to that <laughs> basketball game. That's not happening. <laughs> No, no. Um, but if that happens a few years from now, like if he goes to a game on a Saturday when he's a junior at Nebraska and he gets that same kind of ovation, you know, you, it's not. I'm sure he'll be happy and he would stand up and wave and just do whatever. Um, but it wouldn't be that that rush that he felt um, as a as a high school junior. You know, that's new and that's going to fade. That's going to go away. And I looked at I looked at Dom and Dayton um, when he sat back down and the camera the camera panned. I, I wasn't there, but I saw the video. When the camera panned to those two, as Dylan sat back down in the look, I looked. I wanted to see the look on Dominic's face. Like, how did he? Fe <laughs> how did he feel in that moment? And you kind of brought that he, up. A he's minute smart, ago. man. Yeah, and it was like he he, he kind of had this knowing, um, like it was a smile. You know, he wasn't he wasn't upset that the um, you know that happened and that the crowd. Um, you know, was showing all that love for Dylan, as, as of course he wouldn't be. But I, I don't, I, I guess he wasn't uncomfortable with that situation, and I wanted to see if he looked uncomfortable. Yeah. And he just kind of had this this happy, kind of content little little smile on his face, which maybe I'm reading into it, but that kind of that kind of told me a lot about what was going on in his mind right there. Let me get you out of here on this, Mitch. I, I I've been asking this question all week uh, because there's a lot of uh, the the joke is Kool Aid's being. You know, we're adding, adding sweetener, right? With each Matt Rule presser, you meet the staff, Dr. Elsa, we'll talk to her tomorrow on the show, where it's oh, like, man, oh, my gosh, I'm all in. And I said to myself, well, it can't be that linear and that easy, can it? And I had a buddy text me, and they said, well, for six or seven years, you said it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> so do you get the sense that it's that easy, or is it because it's the off season and there's no W's and L's? It just seems like this feels different with this staff. Yeah, it does. They're 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 experts in this marketing kind of PR stuff, and that, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to be fantastic when it comes to coaching football. But I think there's a need to differentiate those things. They're very very good at communication, and that was one of my number one takeaways from Matt Rule on November 28th when he flew into Lincoln, you know, with Corey Campbell and Evan Cooper and. Um, he walked off that plane, you know, went into the airport hangar, started shaking hands, yeah. came to campus, walked out of the East Stadium by the Devaney statue, you know, saw the fans there, came down to the Hawk Center. You know, everything he did, and I'm sure Trev had a, had a role in this and others did too with like, okay, go go here, do this, do this. It seems very instinctive for Rule um, in just like interacting with people and communicating. And that definitely, I mean – that's a factor in why he chooses the people that he's chosen to be around him. But um, it also is very natural for them too. Um, and I think part of that is like his, his impact, they see him and they're like, okay, this is okay for us to embrace all of these people around us. Um, I think it's, you know, 
great that you're talking to Dr. Elza tomorrow. I'm, you know, interested in talking to her myself. So congrats on getting that interview before I got it. But I've, <laughs> I've, heard her, I've heard her talk. Yeah, I've heard her talk on on some I'm ca- I'm captivated. And she's she's inspiring just to hear her um to, to to listen to her and the trail that she's blazed in the state of Texas and just the relation I mean it's not normal I don't think for people in her position to have those kind of relationships with coaches and players that How she about her in, how about her insight? It's right. ridiculous. And the fact that she, <laughs> the fact that she would just when rule they met she met rule because she would just go to Baylor practices <laughs> yep. when she was when when he was in charge because she felt like that was something she should do in her position. Yeah. She, she he had high school coaches on his staff. He of course recruited players who came out of the UIL. So I want I can't wait to hear more about that. In fact, I'm going to be in Texas next week. Um, you know, going to a bunch of those places that that Matt Rule developed relationships, and uh, you know, I want to be able to tell that story from. Um, you know, from the uh, ground zero in the state of Texas. And I'll be in Waco and DFW and should come back with some good stuff. But, um, you know, we'll be interested to hear what what, uh, what Dr. Elza has about, has to say about those same things um, to you guys this week. Simply the best. Appreciate you, Mitch. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks a lot. He's as good as it gets. That's Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Coming up, more Ravi and I. We'll dumb it down. Well, I've got a question for you. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's do it. Coffee and cream. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.